Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today. I want you to grab your Bibles and join me as we jump into God's Word today, because I believe that God's Word is able to build you up to do all that God has called you to do, and also to become fully the person that He wants you to become. Praise God. Let's go today to the book of Genesis chapter 26. We're going to look at just a couple of verses here in this chapter. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings and honor the Lord with our finances. Again, Genesis chapter 26, look at verse 1. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. My friends, there are various types of natural troubles, financial challenges, and various things that flow throughout a fallen world system. When I'm talking about a world system, I'm talking about a world where sin is in the earth and the consequences of the sin affecting the earth in which we live, even economics and so forth, even weather. And so there are cycles that the earth can go through. There are cycles that the economy can go through. You can have a booming economy and then you can have a recession or a depression and all of these various things. And even in the natural, we have here an example of famine. And of course that would cause great financial challenges as well for everybody living in that region of the world where that famine is in effect. Verse two, then the Lord appeared to him. That would be Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, live in the land of which I shall tell you. In other words, live in the land right in the middle of the famine and don't try to run away. Sometimes people make a mistake. They think, well, uh, my country doesn't have certain privileges or benefits. Maybe doesn't have certain areas of development. So I need to leave and go somewhere else. And in their efforts to do something in their own strength and ability, without having been directed by the Lord, often they run into uh, all sorts of problems. Whereas if they would have just stayed put like Isaac did as instructed by the Lord, there would be the wisdom that of the Lord that would manifest to show you what to do so that not only can you survive, you can thrive right in the middle of famine. Verse three, dwell in the land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. So he's like, okay, if that's what it is, Lord, that's what your word is. I'm staying here. Not quite sure how you're going to uh, give me the ability to survive, uh, much less, you know, have the resources I need to uh, take care of the things I need to do and do the things I need to do. But Lord, I'm going to obey. And so he obeys the Lord and he stays. And then the revelation understanding comes to him. Well, if you're here, you need to get about your business. And that would include sowing even in the middle of famine. Verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land. What land? The land uh, of dry parched ground, the land that has been withheld from the wonderful rain. And so there is famine there. And that is the type of land that he sowed in. 
and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Well, the Philistines must have thought that what Isaac was doing did not make any sense because during uh, great challenges or recessions or COVID-19 or COVID-21 or this variant or that variant and all of the other things that, that are now impacted by these challenges that we face, you have many in the world, you have many with the Philistine mentality that would say, well, we're going to just uh, really constrain ourselves and conserve ourselves, not do anything. And Isaac was out there sowing. And so God honored his seed, God multiplied it, and he reaped a hundredfold that year. Glory to God. This is very, very powerful because even if you're in the last month of the year or two months left of the year, it, do, it doesn't matter. God can do a lot within a little period of time. And God has proven this over and over again. He doesn't need full 12 months in order to manifest a supernatural harvest like this. Verse 13, the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous for he had possessions, flocks and possessions of, er, of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him, but see, while the Philistines envied him, the Philistines would not do what he was doing. In other words, during these times of COVID or these times of a new variant breaking forth or, or whatever it might be, my friends stay on the rock, stay on the teachings of Christ, stay on the teachings of God's word. And in context of what we're talking about today, don't ever stop giving. Don't ever say, I can't afford to tithe. My friends, with what we are dealing with in the earth, you cannot afford not to tithe because the tithe ties you into a covenant relationship with God that affects your finances. And that covenant is a sure thing. It is God's responsibility to watch over you and take care of you when you are in covenant with him. Hallelujah. So the worst thing that you would want to do is just to pull back and stop your giving. My friends, keep on giving. You may, in a difficult time, you may not have as much seed to sow as you normally would, but the focus is that you should never stop sowing. You should always do the best you can in the season that you're in, and sometimes you have to even sow in extraordinarily difficult circumstances, which is what Isaac did. And of course, God honored that, blessed it, and God is the same. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we are told clearly in the New Covenant, in the book of Galatians, the third chapter, verses 13 and 14, that if we are in Christ, which we are, then we are Abraham's seed. Woo! Glory to God. So this same blessing, uh, and, and, and the blessing, the word blessed means empowered to prosper, is now our legacy and heritage by now being tied into Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Now, as we honor the Lord today with the tithe, 10%, which belongs to him, and as we also just sow seed, and also in, in many ways, you can look at the tithe as a seed and just say, Lord, I'm always going to keep on giving. I'm always going to give the tithe because that belongs to you. But I know Dr. Oral Roberts also viewed the tithe in a sense as well as being a seed. And he was asking the Lord to multiply that too. Amen. Well, I think we do have enough scripture, even in Malachi chapter three to validate 
the phenomenal blessings, covenant blessings of the tithe, and that it does also produce harvest as we also sow anointed seeds into uh, anointed specific soil led by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Now, my friends, let's be like Isaac who was emulating his father. Let's be like Isaac and let's keep on sowing. We're not looking at the world's economy to base what we do, although we're aware of that. But we also want to always stay on biblical principles, regardless of what cycle would be uh, floating through the world at any various time. Praise God. And especially during challenging times, we really want to stand on the rock, the teachings of God's word. Now, if you prefer to mail your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code is 28654, and the post office is literally right outside of the front doors of the church. When you mail it in, it's a literal, uh, either a ten, either a seven-second drive <laughs> or, or a 35-second walk, and uh, your mail is received hot off the presses here. Praise God. Now, if you also to prefer to bring your, your giving in, your tithes and offerings online. It's very safe, very secure, and you can do so from anywhere in the world, anytime, day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. Right on the homepage, there's a link that says give. It has a red heart. Click that link and you'll see the segment for the tithe. You'll see some other areas where you could give an offering that you would desire. And that is available there for your convenience. Praise the Lord. Now lift your hands. Father, bless your people. Let that anointing, O God, of increase be all over them, just like it was on Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And these men became very, very prosperous and wealthy. And we thank you, Father God, that you are still working the 100-fold return, and you are even able to do it in one year, even if there's only, uh, or within that year, even if there's only a few days left within the year, Lord, you keep your words. We thank you for your anointing on every seed sown. We thank you for your blessing on every tithe brought into the storehouse. And we thank you for security in a world where everybody craves security. And we thank you that we acknowledge that you are the author and source of all stability. And we build our lives and uh, upon our actions to stand on the rock of your word, your teachings. Father, bless your people in Jesus' great name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Now let's take our Bibles today and go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And today we're going to talk about the spirit of liberty. I would really like for you to pay extra careful attention today because nobody ever wants to end up in a crisis. Nobody ever wants to end up in a situation where something is now going out of control and we're, we're trying to uh, uh, divert a, a bad accident or a disaster. We want to see these things ahead of time. We want to stop it. We want to divert it. Or if it's not possible to stop it, we don't want to participate in something that would be detrimental to our lives. And my friends, as we walk in the light of God's word, we also know that while we lean on the word of God, we also put tremendous uh, stress and reliance upon the Holy Spirit to guide us 
because unlike the Old Testament, God in the New Covenant with the, with the believer, God through the agency of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside of us, quickening the Word, illuminating the Word of God, but also leading and guiding us through the inner witness. And here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to meet me in verse 17, and we're going to talk about how the liberty of the Spirit is a tremendous indicator concerning God's will or His uh, check against something in our lives. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we jump into Your Word, we ask that Your Holy Spirit, who is here in the earth and residing within Your people, that your Holy Spirit would come with wisdom and revelation to illuminate the Scriptures, to reveal to us the knowledge of Christ, His ways, His, His, His method of living, and so forth. We thank you, Father God, for the light being turned on, and that we always know what to do. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, and we say, Hallelujah! Woo! Praise the Lord! Mm-mm. Now, verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now think about that just for a moment where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you get over into a place of a religious spirit, you get into a place where you start losing the liberty, and the next thing you know, you look sour. The next thing you know, you don't feel happy about serving God. What's happening? It's not the Spirit of the Lord, because He brings liberty. It's a form of perhaps legalism, perhaps a form of uh, religious bondage, and then everything is looked at as from a negative sense where God's trying to spoil your fun or something like that. So we always want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, who is what? The Spirit of liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, let me make this statement. Any form of inner constraint, I'm not talking about out, outer constraint. We're not talking about being tied up with a rope or, you know, putting on a weight training vest to give us more uh, weight to try to overcome or something like that to build muscles. But that's not what we're, what we're talking about. But I, I, want us, I want us to look internally. Any form of inner constraint concerning the step you are about to take, the decision you are about to make, if there's inner constraint, that can be an indicator that the Holy Spirit is trying to hold you back from making a mistake in the direction you are wanting to go or in the choice that you are wanting to make. Remember, He is the Spirit of liberty. So if the liberty is not there, and you think, what happened to the liberty? Remember, liberty is, uh, uh, it brings joy. It brings happiness, and you know everything's right between you and the Lord, and your, your walk is right with God. But if that liberty begins to evaporate, and then it's replaced not only with an absence, but it's replaced with a resistance. My friends, we need to be very uh, alert in these types of situations. A loss of inner liberty 
And uh, there is the loss of outer liberty. You know, your, <laughs> your right to do this. <laughs> your right to do that. We've seen a lot of that within our nation. And I know uh, uh, a lot of our friends around the world would say, yes, we've seen a lot of it in our respected country as well as certain rights are being suppressed. But today we're focusing on the inner. A loss of inner liberty within your spirit is an indicator often that the Holy Spirit is not involved in what you're about to do. Mm -mm. The loss of liberty. Remember, he is the spirit of the Lord. Wherever, wherever he's at is what? Bondage? No, liberty. There's liberty. There's joy. There's happiness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And let's take a look at a great example of this in Scripture. Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 16, let's move to verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Can you believe that? They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word. Well, Pastor Stephen, what's wrong with that? Anytime there is a loss of liberty in here and it's replaced with a constraint where God himself through the person of the Holy Spirit is forbidding something that that means God's not in that for you. Mm -mm. Wow. Okay. So they're forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Hmm. After they had come to Messiah, they tried to go into Bithynia, mm, or Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Mm. Well, Pastor Stephen, we're called to go preach the gospel in all the world, and that means we're going to do it whether God wants us to do it or not. No, no, God's not confused. God, God never contradicts himself. We have to walk in God's wisdom. We have to have assignments given by the Holy Spirit, or you're going to get all kinds of stuff messed up in your life. Woo! Now, it doesn't mean that we don't try to do certain things and move in the right direction as the Word instructs, but as you move in the right direction, it has to be filtered out exactly which way you're supposed to go. Because even if you know that direction, there could be eight or nine variants of which path you're supposed to take going in that direction. Mm -mm. But the Spirit did not permit them. Well, Pastor Stephen, uh, uh, we need to get in there and preach the gospel, and, and uh, there's God's man. There's Paul right there. Well, that's not Paul's assignment. At least it's not now. It's not the time for it, or he's not the man for that job. These are things that we have got to learn in order to carry out what God has assigned to us. Mm -mm. Verse 8, so passing by Messiah, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, you can't have a vision without the Holy Spirit manifesting the gift of discerning of spirits, and it takes the Holy Spirit to do that. So this is the Holy Spirit 
revealing the direct assignment that they're supposed to be on. Yes, we're supposed to preach the gospel, but yes, where it's a really big planet. Okay. So they're trying to at least move forward in this and they're trying to feel it out. That is our responsibility. Okay. And now comes specific instructions from headquarters. Verse 10. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Well, that's an easy conclusion to draw. Why? Because the Holy Spirit gave that vision. God's not a trickster. God's not devious. God's not like deceitful. God is straight up 100% truth, 100% light. And the Lord has now illuminated exactly what they're supposed to do. And now my friends, they move forward with great boldness and confidence. And very importantly, now great effectiveness. Praise the Lord. Well, let's see if we can balance this with another scripture found in the word of God from the words of Jesus himself in Mark chapter 16, as we now go into verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, Pastor Stephen, what about those people in Asia? Would you know, modern day Turkey. What about those people in uh, Bithynia? What about those people? Well, again, it's a big planet. And so, yes, you, if that's, if that is the, the assignment, you need to go, but you have to go in the way, the format, the manner that God wants you to go. Okay. So that also doesn't mean that if you're called into the medical field or if you're called into the banking world, or if you're called into, uh, the medical uh, realm or whatever it might be, it doesn't mean that you say, Oh, I've got to leave all of that. And I've got to go off to Mongolia and preach the gospel. No, you can do your part through the specific instructions of the Holy Spirit about the role that you're supposed to play because some are supposed to go and some are supposed to go in the sense through sending someone that they support through prayers and through giving. So you have to get the details worked out with the Holy Spirit. Again, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So we're on a planet right now with almost 8 billion people. So you have to, you have to know your lane. You have to know your assignment and you have to get plugged into the plan that God has for your life so that you do your part. And when we all sync up and do our part, we get the job done. Praise God. And your job is not to do everything because you can't. The world is just flat out too big. Now, I didn't say the world's flat because <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's round, Pastor Stephen. Well, technically it's spherical. We won't get into that different subject, but it's just too big. There is no way, even if you're the largest ministry on the face of the earth, that you can uh, cover the whole thing. There's just no way. It takes the, the body of Christ corporately, collectively, globally, all of us pulling together to do what we're supposed to do to move the kingdom of God forward. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. You know, um, go into all the world. Well, I could go to some places. I could even go to some Christians to endeavor to strengthen them in the faith. And I could take 
I could take one of my books and I could say this book has teaching and uh, has revelation on certain areas of scripture. This would bless you. You know what? They don't want my book. They don't want my style. They don't want the anointing that God has given me. They don't connect perhaps with my personality. And if I gave them my book, you know what they do with it? They take it and throw it in the trash can. They wouldn't even give it maybe to some other believer just for the sake that it would bless somebody, but they, they don't have an interest in it. So why in the world would I go there and waste my time when I can go somewhere else and just, it's just, you know, they eat it up. Very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. I go where I'm celebrated, not where I'm tolerated. Praise God. I uh, received, uh, somebody saw this on Instagram and sent it to me. And uh, uh, this is amazing. On the other side of the world. Okay, so here I am in North Carolina. And, you know, I teach, preach, uh, do TV, internet, write books and stuff like that. And so on the other side of the world, there is a group in Nigeria of young people. And I saw a picture of them, and they're all sitting in chairs beneath a beautiful tree, and they're sitting there in the shade of the beautiful tree, and they're all sitting there studying, guess what? My book. <laughs> and they're reading it. And they are, they're not just reading it, they're studying it, they're having conversations about it. Uh, what do we glean from this chapter? What is the highlight from that chapter? They even had notes. They even had like, like uh, cheat codes of how to uh, compress, condense this chapter down into the main points. And they were dissecting my book. They were consuming it. <laughs> Why would I go somewhere where they don't even want to hear me the pre hear me preach or don't even like the, the, the grace that God has given me? Why would I go there and pour it out on the ground and waste it when there's other people that are, <sighs> this is the greatest thing I've ever read outside of the Bible. Do you see what I'm saying? Why would God forbid the great saint, the Apostle Paul, from going here, going there? Why would God do that? Why would the Holy Spirit do it with an inner resistance? And Paul's just like, man, this is not working. We, we can't get in here. Nobody will give us a ride there. We can't even get a donkey to ride on. We can't get a camel to ride. We can't even walk there. Nothing's working out. Seems like the winds not of adversity are blowing against us. It seems like God is not in this. Mm -hmm. Inner perception. Say that. Inner perception. And I'm telling you right now, God knows what he's doing. The Holy Spirit is, he knows what he's doing. Woo, hallelujah. We must be sensitive to this inner guidance of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. All right, now, whenever your spirit, and your spirit is, is, the, is, the, is the, the fullness of who you are, because you are a spirit, you have a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. That, that comprises a lot. But that is a big emotional compartment, okay? So you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in your body. Uh, your body is just the house. If you were to fall dead, the body falls to the floor, and you leave your house, and your spirit and soul go to be with the Lord. Praise God. And... Uh, and at the final trumpet call, the bodies of all the saints will be raised up, and you'll get your new glorified body. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's going to be amazing. Now, whenever your spirit, I'm not talking about your body, whenever your spirit is suppressed, constrained, 
held back, resist it, then be, be cautious because it very well can be the Spirit of God who is actually doing that constraining on the inside of you. And that's why you may think it's good. You may even be excited, but something is reverberating on the inside that mm, uh, be very careful that you don't override that because of an external exuberance or even because of others that are putting pressure on you to do it because they think it's good or they think you need to carry it out or whatever the case might be. Praise the Lord. I want to give you an example of something uh, I had never experienced anything like it before until it happened to me on one particular day. When we first moved to Moravian Falls, which is where our ministry is located at, the Lord did several supernatural things to confirm that we were in the right place. The first thing that happened is that even when we were in California, the Lord spoke to my wife and said, you're through a dream. You're supposed to move to North Carolina to Moravian Falls. And so we had to look it up and find out information about this little place that we had only heard of uh, from maybe, uh, you know, like from the uh, just in a, a short means of passing or something like that. So we didn't know anything about it. Uh, and all of our ministry had been on the West Coast pretty much, a few mid-state areas. But so it was a total uh, start for us of, of a, like a new phase for ministry. And so we got out here, and the Lord began to do several supernatural things to confirm that we were in the very center of His perfect will. One of those things is that after having been here for only uh, only a short while, not too long, uh, uh, a very gracious man, spirit-filled Christian man, I'm friends with him today, he donated land to the ministry and uh, very, very nice piece of property, but it was in, it was way out in the woods and it was given to the ministry. And so uh, I was a little puzzled about what I should do with it because I mean, there's trees all over it and thickets and briars and bushes. And I thought, well, there's only one thing to do with it. That's begin to get it cleared off because I, I thought, well, we'll build a ministry center here. And not only is there room for the ministry, uh, ministry center, there's room for uh, like a parsonage, a, you know, a house for my wife and I, and I could just start getting all of this ready. So with great exuberance and, you know, I was, I was of course younger in those days. I went out there and began to, manually clear the land. And sometimes some friends would come over and uh, we, you know, had br we had brush cutters and stuff like that. But eventually, eventually I said, if I, if I'm going to get serious, I need to get, get out here with the chainsaw and just cut some of this stuff down and uh, you know, take this clearing this area out to a new level. So I had maybe for about two months tinkered around with cleaning cleaning brush and uh, cutting bushes and stuff like that. And I was having fun. You know what it was really? It was just like, uh, I think from God's perspective, it was me getting good exercise. I enjoyed it. It was kind of therapeutic because I would do it after I came off the, the ministry field. If I went out to go preach, I would come back, have a few days before I go back out again. So it was just kind of fun to go out there and cut the brush and do stuff like that. And I was making some pretty good progress. Uh, some people that live locally back in that area of the mountain, 
here in Moravian Falls, they would drive by and say, Stephen, you're doing a good job. I tell you, it looks, it looks really good. I mean, this is like kind of like a, you know, like a rural area, but still, you're just making it look nice. We really appreciate that. They had some houses close by. So um, they were very happy that I was trying to make the place look better. You know, if my place looks better, it makes everybody's look better. So I'm out there doing my part. And this went on for about two months. I, I was happy. I'd go out there and stuff like that. But I got a chainsaw, and this thing honestly was like, uh, uh, well, I, I got a, the first chainsaw I got was a little bitty uh, tiny thing, you know, uh, that you could cut a tree down that maybe the tree, the tree was like that big, okay? I said, this thing's never going to work. I went out and got a real, like, uh, crazy, like, uh, professional logger chainsaw with the, you know, the blade is like <laughs> that long. And when you start it up, it sounds like you're, you're, you're holding a motorcycle in your hands. And the, you pull the, you know, the trigger, the, not, not the trigger, whatever you call it, and the thing starts spinning. That blade, that saw blade is spinning so fast, you're like, man, this is terrifying. And it was. But I was having fun. <laughs> so I, just for about two Two days I was out there with that chainsaw and I was cutting stuff and I was having I was really going to it and then one day I went out there and there was a restraining on the inside of me that it's over with there was some kind of knowing that you don't need to do anything else to this property don't touch it anymore I somehow even knew that everything I had done thus far was just like fun therapeutic, fun for the soul, good uh, calorie-burning work. You enjoyed yourself. Now, stop it. Now, I did not hear a, a word from God, but I just sensed, stop, don't do anything else. Well, I thought, well, hold now, hold, hold on a minute. I've got this chainsaw now. I can, I can do some professional damage out here now. I can, I can really go to it. And it was a beautiful morning, and I just thought, mm, I'm going to do some more. And I started that chainsaw up, and I'm out there, you know, uh, uh, you know, cutting and stuff like that. And I started slipping, and I would fall. And I, I never would do stuff like that. That would never fall. Would never lose my balance. And I would lose my balance and fall with the chainsaw, you know, you know, you know, stuff like that going on. And I thought, whew, this is dangerous. And I would get this uh, almost like overwhelming. Uh, thing in my spirit, that's enough. Stop it. Not a voice, but just a, like a like a repressing, like because because the liberty that I had previously had while working out there and fun and praising the Lord. Oh Lord, a beautiful day and and, and a brush cutting and stuff like that. There was liberty and fun, but that was now all gone. And now. I've got to get this done. You know, yeah. I, I've got to develop this property for the ministry center. We'll put it that over there and we'll put the house over here. And I'm just, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm going full bore. And I slipped again with the blade spinning full speed ahead and slipped. And, and then one time I fell completely backwards. And I thought, this is getting real, real dangerous. And I didn't stop. I kept on going, and I, I get going real good, and somehow my whole, and I, don't, I couldn't have done it if I would have tried, somehow my legs got tangled up in brush, and I began to fall back again with the chainsaw going full power, and I just got this overwhelming thing in my spirit, that's enough, stop right now before you get yourself really messed up out here. And I turned the chainsaw off. I sat it down. I said, but God, I, 
I said, my wife and I have never owned property before we own it. We don't owe any money on it. We, we own it. Why would you tell me to stop? But I knew, do not turn that chainsaw back on. Do not cut one more branch. Stop the whole thing. And I did. Didn't know why, but I did. I, I also thought I better stop or I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. You know, I was, and I, at that time, I was, I was pretty strong physically. You know, I, I could bench press a lot. I could just, I could, I could, you know, I had no physical limitations, no reasons why I should be losing my balance and falling and all this stupid stuff that didn't make any sense that was happening. But I stopped because I knew something not good was going on. And it was only a few days, not a few days, a few weeks after that, when we had the opportunity to buy this historic church building that I'm standing in right now in the sanctuary built in 1877, this is all, all the wood in, in this sanctuary is now extinct. It's an ancient pine that no longer uh, is alive in the earth anymore. I've been told that by several people, including the building inspector, this pine doesn't exist anymore. You can't find it anywhere. And what had happened is that when this became available, I said, we need to sell that land. We sold the land and had a cash buyer. They paid for it. And with that money, we had the ability to put the down payment and buy this property. And it was a miracle how we brought this property because the previous church that owned it had a board of directors and everybody involved in the sale uh, of the property. And, you know, I'm talking about the, re the real estate agents and, uh, uh, you know, the attorneys that were involved at the closing and so forth. They all admitted it was a miracle that everybody on the board somehow came together and things were sold and things were transferred and everything was done the right way. And it was all signed and done <laughs> because it was a very interesting group. The, the group that used to own this before was a biker church. And so there was, a, you know, some rowdy ones in there. And so the, for, to actually pull it off, for them to sell it and us to buy it, and it, it took a miracle. God did it. And God knew that day, you ain't never building nothing up on that mountain. He knew that. And I, here I am thinking, God, I've got to, I've got to. And God's like, you better stop. You better stop because you've had some fun. I'll let you have fun. But now uh, you got to get focused on this new phase you're going into. And, uh, and God means business in these areas. When you can't get in, it's not the devil sometimes. Don't, don't, don't blame the devil. That's the devil. That's the devil. <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit keeping Paul out. And that was the Holy Spirit basically resisting me in a sense Stop it here. You're not going to do anything here at all. Mm -mm. Very, very interesting. The reality of the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a person. He can resist. He can also, he can also witness it in, internally inside of you in a very, very unmistakable way. Praise the Lord. Oh, let me give you a scripture to validate that. I thought it was fascinating. You're talking about looking at a verse in the Bible and saying, I know what that's like. Look at this one. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse six. I had read this before when I was younger and I, I thought, well, that's interesting. Don't really understand that. Let me tell you, I understand that fully now. 
So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel. And the battle was in the woods, in the woods of Ephraim. Oh, the people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David. And a great slaughter of 20,000 took place there that day. For the battle there was scattered over the face of the whole countryside. Watch this. And the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. I can exactly understand now how the woods can devour you. I got so tangled up in vines and in shrubs and in bushes. I had, I got so tangled up. I literally could have killed myself out there without a chainsaw. <laughs> Crazy stuff was going on. And that what was happening. You had people dying out there in the forest. The forest was killing them. God was working through his creation to destroy those who were opposing his kingdom purpose. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm going to share a story with you. Uh, from the life of Bishop David Oyedipo, uh, the great man of God in Nigeria. And I'm glad he shared this. Kind of sounds kind of crazy, a little bit like my story that I went through. Now, today his church has 400,000 members. He's a very, very honorable man of God. And I want you to listen to something very similar that took place with his life and ministry. And my friends, we have got to understand that when the Holy Spirit is resisting, don't try to override that. Mm, we've got to become sensitive to this. We have got to grow up, be mature. Now, I know there is grace and growth within the body of Christ. God gives allowance for that, but we have to learn this quickly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm glad I can share some things to help you. Now, this again is Bishop David Oyedipo. He said, when the great man of God, Oral Roberts, visited Nigeria in the 1980s, he said, I was one of those to welcome him. As I was about to leave for Lagos, I had a constraint in my spirit at the airport in Kaduna. And I told my companion on the trip, I am not going on this trip. I have no release. But he said, sir, we have to go. Everybody is waiting there, and we have to be a part of it. Otherwise, it might be misinterpreted as pride. Even after I got on the plane, I said, can I have my bag, please? I am no longer going. But again, my companion said, no, sir, please, please, no, sir. So he forced me to continue on the trip. Our plane took off from Kaduna. From Kaduna. But we were unable to land in Lagos due to bad weather. Rather than take us back to Kaduna, we were taken to Eloran, where we waited for about six hours. The plane took off for Lagos again, and we arrived at about 5 o'clock p.m. Meanwhile, the event we were going for had taken place at 11 o'clock a.m. that morning. A flight for Benin was scheduled to leave at 5 o'clock p.m., since Oral Roberts had moved to Benin, we decided to join them in Benin. But at 5 o'clock, the Benin flight was canceled. Can you see? Everything's going wrong. Everything's going wrong. Hmm. I think the devil then took over at this point, as I said, we must get to Benin today by all means. In other words, Oyedipo is now saying, now the devil's trying to push him and work through him. Uh, he's, he initially resisted, but now he's like, okay, I guess I might as well get on board with it. 
And, uh, and so it's going to get worse. He said, I told my companion, get a taxi that will take us to Benin at any cost. As we put our bags in the car and were about to shut the door, the taxi driver said, I am not going again. I then asked him, can you get us to any Benin motor park as we must get to Benin now? Well, we again took off for the Benin motor park where we got a rickety old station wagon car that agreed to take us. But as I was about to step into the car, the voice of the Lord came to me saying, if you move one more inch, you will be a dead man. Whoa. So frustrated and dejected, we returned to the airport. We took off for Kaduna at 11 o'clock PM and arrived at midnight. I knew I had been walking in disobedience and had paid for it. Mm -mm. Whoa. Whoa. Glory to God. Uh, let me say this in regards of the context of what was going on with him in ministry, uh, in the areas of meeting divine connections. If you try to do it in the flesh, you can tamper with your future destiny and, and you can mess something up in the spirit. You have to connect the right way. The connection between Elijah and Elisha must be done in the spirit. This is not something that you can make happen by, I'll just go to the meeting, meet the person, and the next thing you know, we'll be covenant buddies. It doesn't ever, ever work like that. Well, I'll just get in the line. When he comes down the line, I'll shake his hand, and then we'll talk, we'll meet, and then we'll be uh, connected together for the next 50 years. No, it doesn't work like that. It has to be in the Holy Spirit. And these things are very, very important that you must do it in the Spirit or you can, you can muddy the waters real bad and you can mess up divine destiny that God has for you. Whoo, don't, don't present yourself when it's not time or if it's not in the right setup that God prefers it to be in. Woo, very, very important. I don't think I'm quite explaining that perhaps the best or with the best clarity that it should be, but I hope you get the gist of what I'm trying to convey to you. It's very important that you meet certain people the right way. Mm, praise God. I could say more, but I think I'm going to, I'm going to let that rest on that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Let's go over to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. Mm -mm. Wow. <laughs> Glory. Some of you are probably still thinking, well, but what's wrong with meeting Or Roberts? How come he couldn't be there to meet him? Uh, it's uh, when you're in ministry, you know exactly why you, you can't do these things out of order. You have to do it the right way. And there was also a trajectory that God had for a Yedipo that was not to be just a localized known ministry or even a regional or even a continental type ministry strictly limited to Africa. It was supposed to be global. And so when God sees you in that light, you have to walk in a certain level of, of authority and it's, it, it's not pride, it's humility, but you have to come in on the right way. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 27. Let's go to verse, verse 9. Now, when much time had been spent, 
and sailing was now dangerous. Red alert. Watch out for the natural. This is not all spiritual. So often what the Holy Spirit will try to alert you and keep you from having disaster, there's already natural signals. There's already things in, in the natural you should be saying, this is probably not the best time to do this right now. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe we should hold back just a little bit to get a clearer identification. So it was already dangerous to be hidden out of the harbor. This is you, you've already missed your open window. Now you're, you're dealing with uh, an area where uh, it's not favorable towards you. Well, we're still going to get it done. Well, Watch out for the natural. If you're overriding the natural, you're probably already going in the wrong direction when you are, you're just working against good common sense. Well, now we can fly into that storm. We, we, we can handle that. Yeah, but uh, why, why don't we go around it or just, uh, well, you know, let's just take lunch, let it pass by, and then we'll go. Well, these are interesting things. Now, when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive. He didn't say God told me. He didn't say an angel with a blue robe and a, and a golden scepter hit me over the head and said, do not get on that boat. You're all going to die. He didn't say that. He just simply said, I perceive where in his big toe. No, in his elbow. No. Where did he perceive it at? In, in his mind? No. In here. In here. Warning bells going off. Something restraining going off. This is not good. Explain it to me. I can't. I can't. It's just something I perceive because God lives in me. Oh, we don't, we don't really understand that. Well, I'm not asking you to understand that, but I, and I'm not going to even try to get into that. I'm just going to tell you I perceive something's not right here. Now watch what he says. I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss. God never verbally spoke to him in a sense. Thus saith God, get on the boat. You're all going to die. God didn't say that. He didn't work like that. This is inner perception. Man, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. But he got overridden by those who thought they knew better. Also, they have an agenda. They have a motive and they got to get something done. They got to make some money. Mm -mm. Well, what happened? They, they got in a mess. They got in a mess and Paul's a prisoner. He can't say, Hey, well, you guys could just go ahead and kill yourselves, you know, because <laughs> I'm not getting on this boat. He's in chains. He has to, he's like, Oh boy. All right, here we go. Y'all get ready for one, one, Wild ride. Oh, Paul, weather's perfect. You watch and see. Everything's all right. Oh, though, yeah. Everything was all right for just a couple of hours. They got out of the harbor, got out there, and boom, the, the Yeraklodon or the Nor'easter. I have been in areas where Nor'easters have blown in. I was going through the area of Amarillo, Texas, one time where a nor'easter from up north blew in. It blew in so strong it almost blew our motorhome off the road. We're driving from California to North Carolina, another uh, trans uh, 
uh, American across the nation ministry trip and it blew in so strong it uh, we actually we pulled over and stopped we thought it was going to literally blow the motorhome off the road and I have seen trucks 18 wheelers blown sideways off the road before it was that strong that's what hit them in a boat <laughs> day or night two weeks mm -mm. no TV to watch mm -mm. just day and night up and down and the boat riding down those waves and just plunging to the bottom have you ever been in the boat where the waves are so big that when you go down into the trough, you go down into it, you can't even see, you can't even see the, the land. You can't even see the horizon anymore. You're down and you're, and then when it hits the bottom of that, it slams the bow of the ship slams into the water and water goes flying everywhere. And then you go back up and you do it all over again and all over again. Lord have mercy. I've only been in one situation like that when deep sea fishing, I thought this is crazy. Woo. But I was a lot younger and I guess my body calibrated a lot quicker. I didn't even get seasick. And I was the first one on the ship to catch the kingfish. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. But my friends, we have got to be alert to this perception where you have these times the spirit of liberty pulls back and there's now no liberty, but some kind of constraint. That's holding you back. That's God trying to preserve you and protect you. Mm, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I had a situation in my life when I was being mentored in the plumbing field by Kelly's father, my father-in-law. And he was a master plumber. Had done it for like oh, 40 years or something like that. There was, there was nothing really about plumbing that he didn't know from the very basic repairs all the way up to installing the most complex uh, plumbing systems that money could afford and commercial plumbing and residential plumbing and everything in between. He'd done it all. And so I'm working with him and he's teaching me about plumbing. And so he and I would drive around in the van all day long and have a uh, fun time, you know, working these plumbing jobs. And I'm learning from him as we go. And uh, although Bill was Catholic and, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, loved the Catholic church and in a sense loved God, he was not born again. And so sometimes, you know, he'd get, he'd get frustrated or mad at something and, you know, uh, and he'd cuss and he'd, he'd curse God's name. He'd say the GD word and he'd say it often. I'd say, Bill, please. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't curse God's name. That's, that's not a good thing to do. But, you know, sometimes he just do it when driving. You just come out of his mouth. I'd say, Bill, please don't profane God's name. That's not a good thing. And then, you know, he, he wouldn't be happy about the, the country or the economy. And so he, then he'd curse the president and, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, always profanity and stuff like that. I said, Bill, don't, don't do that. That's not good. But, you know, he, he was, he was a person with an incredible work ethic and uh, had, in some areas of his life, extremely rare, fantastic manhood qualities, but he just didn't know the Lord. And uh, he had immigrated over from Ireland. And so he was a full-blooded Ironman, uh, excuse, excuse me, Irishman. And he came to America and, you know, just began his life here. And so I, I worked with him and, and now I knew the Lord, of course, because I'm I'm saved, filled with the Spirit, and I'm already, you know, doing a lot of ministry. Usually on the weekends, I'm, 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 I've got a meeting lined up for every Sunday. But at that time, I was still doing the plumbing work. And um, he, he wasn't saved, and I knew the Lord wanted me to 
minister to him, not through preaching to him, but just being around him and mainly as odd as it was to eat lunch with him every day. Now I did not eat breakfast with him. I didn't eat dinner with him, but uh, we, we would always start work after we've had our own individual breakfast at home. And then we go to work, but we always ate lunch together every day. And I would always pray over our food. Cause I, I'm not just going to open up the burger and start shoving it in my mouth. You know, I would always say, Bill, let's pray for the food. Oh, oh okay. Stephen, uh, you know, real thick Irish accent, even after having been in America for decades, real thick accent. Uh, 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 okay. For Stephen, you go ahead and do, uh, do the prayer. And so I would say the prayer. And uh, in the name of Jesus, you know, we're blessed with food. Thank you, Father, and all that stuff. Every day I do that. And here's the situation, though. He always wanted to eat at Carl's Jr. And while I have nothing against Carl's Jr., um, if you had 100 restaurants, I, I might put it at, like, number 98 or 99 because I just I don't really prefer it. I don't know why. Some people do. Bill certainly did. Now, I'm talking freely because Bill's in heaven now, okay? He's, his journey has ended. But... Yeah, I just didn't connect with uh, Carl's Jr. We've actually got one in town, the the uh, East Coast version, which is called Hardee's. Okay, so anyhow, I I didn't like Carl's Jr. So, but every day, lunchtime, Stephen, let's go to Carl's Jr. And uh, so off we go to Carl's Jr. And I didn't like the burgers, and uh, and I know why Bill wants to eat there because it's cheap. That's all he ever thought about. Where can we get the cheapest gas <laughs> to fill up the van? <laughs> and where's the cheapest place to eat? lunch because he was you know he had that old uh irish mentality of having gone through you know famine and when he was a child they walked five miles on sunday to go to church and uh he would walk five miles back home after church so he knew religion but he just wasn't saved he he knew what it meant to have moral uprightness but he just wasn't born again and of course he could certainly cuss pretty good too now he was uh, a heavy drinker earlier, but the doctor had told him, if you take one more drink, you have so destroyed your liver. If you take one more drink, it's probably going to kill you. Well, there was one day he took one more drink and they, he almost literally died. They rushed him to the hospital and did some final things. And then he realized it is true. If I take one more drink, I'll die. So, you know, he had that type of a background. Anyhow, back to Carl's Jr. Every day, Carl's Jr., cheeseburger, which I don't, didn't like the taste of it. And then fries. I didn't like the way they did their fries and right next door is in and out burger right over here is a, another burger place. And it's just every day, every day, every day. And you know, month after month, after month, after month, every day, Carl's Jr. Month after month, another Carl's Jr. Burger. And one day I, I, I didn't want to do it anymore. And it's time for lunch. Stephen, you ready to go, Carl's Jr.? And he pulls into the parking lot of Carl's Jr. And uh, we start to get out. I said, Bill, I don't want to go to Carl's Jr. today. Well, what, what do you mean, Stephen? You don't want to go. I, I, I don't want to eat there, Bill. I'm tired of Carl's Jr. Can we go over here to McDonald's? Oh, no, Stephen. We need to go to Carl's Jr. And I said, I said, I can't do it today, Bill. I can't. I, I can't. Now, the whole time I'm telling him, no. There, for some strange reason, the Holy Spirit of liberty, boom, the liberty is gone. And suddenly there is this thing on the inside of me like, 
do not resist this. Go with him to Carl's Jr. Do not resist this. I'm thinking, but what does it matter? It's just a 30-minute meal, and I've got to endure it. I don't even like the food. It doesn't even taste good. Isn't food more than just nutrition? Shouldn't it also be for enjoyment? <laughs> so I just, like, God, uh, I, I'm not doing it. And, and uh, inner, inwardly, I'm saying I'm not doing it while the Holy Spirit is resisting with this, like, you're making a major mistake. You're making a major mistake. And why? What's going on? The liberty, the liberty of the spirit is completely gone. And now it's being replaced with this, all this other turmoil and stuff going on on the side of me. But I said, Bill, I said, you go ahead. I can't, I, I just, I don't want to eat there today. And when I said that, he, he literally, he dropped his head like that. It didn't say anything and began walking towards the Carl's Jr. And I saw him walk to Carl's Jr. He looked like he got totally deflated. And he goes inside, see the door open, he goes inside. And I thought, okay, I'm going to McDonald's. And I start walking to McDonald's, puffed up in my pride that I'm going to do it the way I want to this time. After all, Lord, what could be wrong with it? I'm trying to justify it, right? All this is playing out within a matter of minutes. So I'm walking to McDonald's all happy. And God is my witness. I'm in a concrete jungle. I'm in Southern California. Anywhere you look, there's, there's asphalt parking lots. There's buildings. There's no country, nothing. There's no trees. There's no, there's no outdoor animals, maybe occasional bird, but this is city, 100% city. And as I'm walking to that McDonald's, which is only now about 30 yards away from me, as I'm walking across the parking lot to it, suddenly, out of nowhere, the angriest hornet on the planet Earth came dive-bombing into me. I never even saw him coming. But he hit me with such force it knocked me forward, and he stung me on the back of the neck. Oh, Lord, did that hurt. And instantly, my whole neck began to throb with pain. And I reached back there and pulled the barb out that was still dripping with venom that he had planted into me. And, uh, oh, it, it hurt. And I knew God spoke to me. I send a stinging rebuke to you because of your rebellious pride. <laughs> I said, oh, God. <laughs> I said, God, I don't want to eat there. He said, it's more than food. He said, I'm interested in his soul. And you being around him is influencing him. I said, God, I said, how does eating a burger have an influence? And the Lord said, that's my business. You better get back over there. Or the next thing will be worse than a hornet sting. It'll be worse than a rebuke. <laughs> I said, oh, God, I'll do it. Never in my life was I so happy to walk into a Carl's Jr. <laughs> was I excited about the food? No, I, whoo, I just didn't want calamity. I'd already had a stinging rebuke. And I walked in that Carl's Jr. And Bill saw me. And the moment he saw me, his face lit up with a light. Stephen, what are you doing? I, I, I thought you went to the McDonald's. Bill, I, I changed my mind. Let me get my cheeseburger and fries and... I'll join you at the table. Amen. Now, I didn't know at that time that later, once I left California, of course, you know, even while I was in California, eventually phased out of plumbing and into ministry and stuff like that. But later, when Bill 
and his wife, Mary, Kelly's mom, came to visit us here in Moravian Falls, and we, we took the motor home, and we took a trip to Washington, D.C., and when we drove back, when we drove back, it was only Bill and I driving back in the motor home, and Kelly and her mom and the others came back in another vehicle. So I had five hours with him, not to corral him and force something on him, but no, just to talk with him. And that was the only time he was ever open to really listen from his heart. I said, Bill, don't you want to go to heaven? Get your life right with God. Why don't you pray the sinner's prayer? Stephen, you're right. I'll do it. And I led him into a genuine repentance of sins. He asked Christ into his heart, and that day he got saved. That day he gave his life to Jesus. Amen. Now, of course, his life ended, and he is now, he lived his life out. He's now in heaven, saved. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but all those times of praying with him over the meal softened him up, softened him up. Because everybody else in the family, besides Kelly or maybe some of the grandkids, all they fed him was religion. Just be religious. Go to church and you'll be right with God. But he wasn't right with God. He wasn't even born again. He had never even asked Christ into his heart. He had never even asked the Lord to forgive him of his sins. You know, going to church doesn't make you right with God. Me standing in my garage does not turn me into a Ram pickup truck. No, it's just a dude standing inside of a garage, right? So going to church, you being in a church doesn't mean that you are right with God. Receiving Christ into your heart by faith, receiving his salvation by faith, that's what causes you to be born again. Mm -mm. Jesus said, you must be born again. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Woo. What are we talking about? The absence of the spirit of liberty. When that happens, be alert. If your spirit is not celebrating within you what you're about to do, it could very well be a signal to stop. On the flip side, today, something happened earlier today for my wife and I that was so of God, that was so favorable, that was so enjoyable, that was such a blessing that while she and I were doing this and carried out this, this blessing that the Lord had made available for us while we were doing it within our spirits. The spirit of God was so uh, pleased with the whole thing that I felt like jumping up and shouting. Hallelujah. Mm. I just felt like saying, praise God. This is of the Lord. <laughs> Why? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, joy, happiness. Praise God. Everything associated with liberty. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, watch out for the liberty. Be looking. Be sensitive for the liberty in your spirit. In every step you take, particularly every important step, every important decision that you make. And let me, let me say this. God expects us to take this inner witness, the presence of liberty or the absence of it. He, he expects us to take it just as seriously as we would if we heard the audible voice of God speak. 
that authoritative voice of God. Oh, yes, Pastor Stephen, I'll do that for sure. God expects you to obey that, but also that witness of the spirit of liberty just as seriously as you would should you hear the authentic, authoritative voice of the Lord speak to you by the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Mm -mm. This can affect so many areas of our lives. You know, a really, really good minister. He lived to be a, a very great age. He just passed away. But he told the story about his daughter who was getting married to a preacher. But this preacher had some, he had some real issues. He had an anger problem that was out of control. People began to realize that and see that and pick up on that. And he had some other character flaws that were issues that could not be overlooked. But the daughter had already gotten engaged. The wedding had been planned. It's the now the day of the wedding. This man of God is actually the one that's going to perform the wedding. And on the wedding day, before, you know, with people in the church and stuff like that, and, and everybody taking their positions, he's in the back room with her, and she's, she's getting this thing on the inside. Oh, see, complete absence of liberty. She's getting this thing on the inside. And her daddy said, listen, listen, honey, I love you. And let me talk with you just for a moment. What you're about to do, you do not have to do it. It has not been done yet. We can stop this whole thing right now. We just call it off. And she said, no, 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 daddy, it's too late. And people expect me to go through with it now. And I don't know what he's going to do if I don't go through with it. And, uh, and she went through with it. When the Holy Spirit, the, his liberty was gone and there was nothing now but Roadblocks, roadblocks, roadblocks. She's pushing them over, riding, overriding them. Even her own father, she wouldn't listen to her own father. And things got really bad after that. And once that those two were married, uh, there was a lot of abuse. He, the father had to go over one time just to check on her. And he answered the door and said, if you ever come over here again, I'll take my gun and shoot you and kill you right here on the property. Uh, you're talking, we're talking about a wicked person. Mm -mm. And she married that person as a spirit-filled believer. She married that person with the Holy Spirit living on the, on the inside of her, trying to give her every warning, every hindrance possible for her to put the brakes on. Wow. Listen, the Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. If you have others that know God, Mature that are mature in the Lord and the Lord the Lord and they're they there's they're in agreement saying mm, mm, you know shaking their heads I I don't think this could be you should really give heed to that praise the Lord because mm, you could always find those who'll say yeah 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 we need to do this this is a respectable thing to do we've made a commitment here we need to blah 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 and all that stuff not if God's not in it just humble yourself and back out back out praise the Lord. Because there is a point, if you don't, and you cross a certain line, now the only way to get out is, is a lot heavier consequences, such as what the ship Paul was on. They lost the whole ship. All the prophets now are laying at the bottom of the ocean, including the ship itself. Lift your hands. Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are watching today that we begin to understand the spirit of liberty, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the reverence of the Lord, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, so that we have great respect for you and great value 
to guard and protect our assignment, our calling to not be deviated and to go in the right direction. We thank you, Father, you're putting everybody in their place in the body of Christ for this positioning of the great end time harvest. We must be in our place running our race and not something that you have not assigned us to. We give you praise. We thank you for the spirit of liberty. Father, today we celebrate your Holy Spirit, the spirit of liberty living on the inside of us, leading us and guiding us into all truth. Thank you, Father, for these beautiful witnesses and manifestations of your spirit. Help us to be very developed in this area of sensitivity to your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Praise God. If you're watching today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, my friends, make today the first day of your life where you get your life in order with the Lord, you get on the right track, and you're prepared to spend eternity with God in heaven. Hallelujah. If you would like to do that, turn from sin, turn from darkness, and turn to God. Right now, pray this prayer after me, say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, wash me of my sins. I give my life to you. Save me now. Write my name in your book of life. Thank you, Jesus. I give my whole life to you. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Welcome to the family of God, the angels are rejoicing because of your salvation. Lift your hands and thank God for saving you right now. Lord, we give you praise. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Some things you don't always know the exact route. Like with Paul, he's, he knows he's supposed to preach, but he's trying to feel out that specific direction. My friends, we also have to walk by faith. We don't always have this super high resolution ability to know the exact steps that we're supposed to take. We just know, just keep going. And if that's not there, then there must be something else. So sometimes just move forward, stop for a moment, pray, wait. Okay. And then you'll get clearer guidance. Praise God. Now let's take Holy communion together today. Grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it. We sanctify it. We set it apart as holy. We thank you. This is now the flesh and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, as we receive his flesh, we thank you for protection against all forms of flu, all forms of bacteria, all forms of sickness and disease. We thank you that you are covenant keeping God and divine health is in the covenant. Thank you, Father. We receive the flesh of Jesus now. In his name we pray. Amen. Let's partake together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Father, if there has been times where we have knocked over the 
stop signs and ran over the uh, barriers and were just determined to do our own thing. Lord, help us. Help us to really learn quick in these areas. Thank you, Father God, because the time is short. We do not have time for wrong turns, uh, fake detours, and all kinds of other things that we should not get off on. Lord, help us to be very focused in this hour and to move forward with the right pace in the right direction. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus protecting us from every false path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's drink together. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I am familiar with another story of a wedding where the bride found out that her, the groom had been up to no good even the very night before of the wedding. And uh, he just wasn't going to change his ways. Uh, and the daddy said to his daughter, look, don't go through with this. He's not going to be faithful to you. Let's call this off. I'll stand with you. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'll stand with you. She said, thank you, daddy. If you'll stand with me, we'll call the whole thing off. They went and uh, he was very wealthy, the, the father. And so this was a, this was a wedding that massive amounts of money were spent on. Nothing was held back. I mean, it all, everything was already paid for and everything. They walked out together and she made the announcement, the wedding's off. She said, I apologize for the various inconvenience. I don't want to embarrass anybody. She said, the wedding's off. And her and her daddy turned around and walked off together. And that young woman, as difficult as it was, and also it caused, of course, some inconveniences and I'm sure some red faces, but they all knew she did the right thing. Praise God. Mm -mm. It's never too late to do the right thing. Heavenly Father, bless your people. We thank you for the witness of your spirit, the spirit of liberty. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for watching. See you back next time. Thank you.